Thanks for tuning in to PI Perspectives. We have a great show today. Matt's guest is Adam Visnick. Adam is based in Ohio and has a very popular blog series with his company, Gravitas Investigations. Adam takes some time out of his busy schedule to jump on and talk about testifying. At some point, all of us have had to go under oath and give the whole truth and nothing but the truth. The guys give us some pointers and what to expect and how to prepare for those certain occasions. This episode is brought to you by Crosstracks Case Management Software. Crosstracks now offers CTX Vision, a fully integrated video conferencing platform built into Crosstracks. The videos you host go directly into your video tab. Crosstracks also integrates with programs you already use like QuickBooks, DelphPoint, ScopeNow, Investigation Video Editor, Word, and more. The integrations combined with powerful features such as automated audio transcription and report generation help investigators generate revenue and improve efficiency. The system can be customized for any investigative specialty. Start your free trial today at Crosstracks.co and use promo code PIP20. The next issue of PI Magazine is hot off the presses. Make sure you visit PIMagazine.com for details. Check out Matt's column on Podcasting 101 and PI Perspectives. All rise for this fantastic topic. Let's welcome Adam Visnick and your host, private investigator Matt Spare. Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. I want to welcome everyone to the program. I appreciate you guys tuning in, checking us out, and really appreciate the feedback that I've been getting on the show just the messages on LinkedIn and uh, social media. It's uh, been awesome. You know, I'm always looking for interesting guests and people to come on to talk about what they do. And our next guest today has a great topic. I want to introduce everybody to Adam Visnick from Gravitas Investigations. Adam's based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. We hooked up, I think, on LinkedIn. We just uh, hit it off and I wanted to have him come on and, and talk about the topic today. So, uh, Adam, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. All right, great. So, you are based in Cincinnati, Ohio. So what's going on in the Buckeye State as far as COVID and lockdown? Are you on the, the naughty, naughty list for states? Yeah. Or are you guys still okay? We were on the uh, good list for a while. Now we're starting to get some mandates on wearing masks back in certain stores. And I think it might actually be for my county, Butler County and Hamilton County, wearing masks in stores for good. So we're kind of getting back into it on the lockdown mode, which is not good. But the better side of things, we got what you might call spring training or summer training in baseball. So the right. red legs are, are playing ball right now. That's the only, I guess, good thing going on. <laughs> yeah, those uh, Cincinnati Reds, they did a lot to their team there. It's a, kind of disappointing you guys didn't get to kick it off. They did a lot in the offseason. I know. It would have been nice to see them fully full go and fully fledged. Never know what would have happened. We'll yeah. see how this season goes. But you're, you're a Mets fan. Yeah, so. exactly. I was going to say, but you and I both know <laughs> we're both Mets fans. And we, we recently <laughs> celebrated uh, Bobby Bonilla Day, which is <laughs> very close That's to my right. heart. <laughs> <laughs> Epic day in history right there. <laughs> Good old <Epic> Bobby. <laughs> so my, my friend, actually, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a quick story before we uh, move forward here. Sure. So my friend is a, a professional sports photographer. He photographs every major sporting event. And yesterday he was at Yankee Stadium. And today he was uh, at City Field photographing, you know, the, the, the training and the warm-ups and all that. So, so I shot him a message. I'm like, hey, did you see Bobby uh, come and pick up his check? <laughs> he said that no. A classic <laughs> he does direct deposit, so it doesn't bounce. <laughs> nice. So cool. uh, enough about baseball. So tell me a little bit about uh, Gravitas Investigations. Like, how did you get into the field? What's your background? And uh, how yeah. long have you been in business? So I've been a private investigator for 15 years. I It was literally my first full-time job out of college all the way back in 2005. 
I just graduated from, from EKU, Eastern Kentucky University, for those who've never heard of that place. Uh, they got a good criminal justice program. Uh, literally, my first hire was as a private investigator for uh, a company here based in Cincinnati. That's how I cut my teeth. I started with them, eventually got my master's degree from EKU later down the road, but just cut my teeth with a couple of different PI firms. Spent a few years as a national security background investigator for about seven different agencies. Uh, and then just got into it. Started my, my actual business, Gravitas, this business, five years ago in 2015. And it's been awesome ever since. Even going through COVID, it's been pretty good growth-wise. And I uh, can't complain about that. But we're licensed in Ohio and Kentucky, based in Cincinnati. And, and we're mainly specializing in handling claims, working with claims professionals in the workers' comp and insurance side is right. basically our main thing. Uh, and that's kind of how we, we do business. So tell me what a bit about Ohio and, and licensing. I know like there's some states mm-hmm. where you can't actually apply to take a license until you actually work for an investigator. You have to have that background experience. Mm-hmm. Is it one of those situations or is it uh, if you decide you want to be a private investigator one day, all you got to do is uh, fill out some forms yeah. and pay a fee? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't quote me on this one. But so I, I, I did both. So you actually do. Uh, ex- exclude, let's say you're a law enforcement, former law enforcement, you can apply to be an investigator right away and get a business, you know, kind of a business license. Uh, or if you don't have that, and let's say you have a college degree or maybe even an associate's degree, again, don't quote me, you can start out as a PI working for another firm and get a few hundred hours, I think it is. That's basically how I started out. And then after the, you know, the couple of years or however long, however many hours you work, you can apply to get your own company license as a private investigative provider of services and then hire your own PIs as you so see fit. So there's a decent vetting process to, to get licensed in Ohio. And I think it's basically the same with Kentucky. Again, don't quote me on that. We'll have to provide some show notes on the exact specifications, but yeah, that's how it works in, in general. Right, right. So can you tell the listeners um, you know, what it was like for you to um, make that transition from working for somebody to starting on your own? Like what were some of the challenges that you faced, you know, opening up your own, uh, your own agency? Oh, it's huge. Um, it, I, the past five years have been the, the biggest learning curve of, of my entire life. And that includes college, that includes master's degrees. But it's been so incredible of an experience. It's one of those things that you you find yourself just loving what you do because that's what I love to do is the private investigative work. But I also love the business side of it. That's something I fell in love with. I had no business experience to speak of coming out of college. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. Didn't know anything about finance or sales and marketing. And in the past five years, I've learned as much as I possibly can constantly reading as much as I can, learning as much as I can to figure it out. But overall, it's just been incredible and just skyrocketed my my kind of my purpose behind what I do and, and my love for everything I do. So it's been fantastic uh, taking the ball and put it in your own court to start your own business. It's been fun. Yeah, the biggest trouble I have with entrepreneurs trying to spell it. Mm-hmm. Thank God for a spell check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll spell it wrong the first, first time you spell it. I never get it right. <laughs> Tell me now, Matt, and you've probably been over this on, on previous podcasts. Sure. Tell me a little bit for your listeners if they haven't heard it, but for me too. What Was it along the same lines or how long ago did you start this thing and, and your whole deal? Oh, look who's interviewing you. That's fantastic. 
This is great. <laughs> no, I, I, I got a level of credit to you. I, I appreciate that, man. So for me, um, all, all joking aside, so I've been in, in business on my own for 15 years. And uh, prior to that, I worked for a personal injury attorney. I worked in-house for him. And uh, prior to working for him, I kicked around um, with some smaller investigation uh, due diligence companies right out of college. And uh, I almost became a lawyer. Uh, basically, uh, I had a sweetheart offer to go to law school and collect a paycheck and then go work for the attorney that uh, was helping me out. Um, and I had this like freak out moment that I just wanted to do investigations instead of become a lawyer. But I studied. I took the LSAT and uh, mm-hmm. did that whole route. And uh, it just wasn't in the cards for me. But it was helpful because I learned how to think like an attorney. Like I knew sure. you know, what they would be looking for. And that's why I tailored my business to, to that part of our space, right? Because I understood it. Um, you know, and I could give them what they wanted because uh, I knew exactly what they they were looking for. So, um, yeah, and, you know, yeah. I, I, talking about, and we're going to talk about the whole deposition stuff too because that, that is something that's incredibly intimidating. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But, you know, I would encourage any investigators out there that, that have that bug to start their own thing. Um, it's never too late. You know, it's never too late to, to take that chance. I know yeah. when I when I started my business, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a spring chicken, <laughs> but I also didn't have children yeah. and I didn't have liabilities at that point other than uh, an apartment I was sharing with my soon-to-be wife. Uh, yeah, that's the other sidebar, right? I got married and two weeks later, I started my own business. So, <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, I'm, I want to I want to piggyback off those two things you just said. Um, I think I started my business um, uh, let's see a month before I got married. So I was in a very similar situation as you, I was living with my then girlfriend at the time, our fiance, and got married a month after I'd started the business. So yeah. five years ago. Yeah. And then on top of that, uh, this is going to sound like a brag, but I also took the LSATs, got into multiple law schools, but was talked out of going to law school by a fellow lawyer and good friend of mine. And, mm-hmm. He's like, if you, if you want to start a business, and this is kind of like, it sounded like what you were talking about. If you have the itch to start a business and you'd already been a detective, he's like, don't, don't become a lawyer, go out there and start a business. And that was the best advice I'd, I'd heard. And I definitely took it. So it worked out well for me. And I've imagined that's kind of the same thing that you were involved in. You just had a bug to, to get started and get out there and do it. Right. Yeah. One of the cool things is, is all these lawyers and attorneys, you know, that I, I looked up to when I was working for you know, the, the guy I was working for, the big, you know, who's who in New York City, like, they're all my clients now. And, and a lot of them are my friends, which is just, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do I get in that conversation? How, how do I uh, get into that room? Well, I just provide a service that they need and they'll invite me along and I get to hang out with them. So, um, I totally it, agree. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been very cool. And uh, I even got to do a CLE too, which was pretty neat too, right? Uh, you know, teaching attorneys on, on what investigators yeah. do and, and what the, what they're all about. Um, so, uh, okay. So that was a good foundation for the both of us. <laughs> Apparently everyone <laughs> understands where we both come from uh, now. So we're going to, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I really want to jump into our topic here today, which is getting ready for, uh, for depositions and trials and having to go out and testify and, and what that looks like. Cause it can be very, very intimidating if you don't know what to expect. So we're going to dive into that when we come back and uh, let's uh, get a couple words from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by ScopeNow. Have you tried ScopeNow 3.0 yet? ScopeNow offers a state-of-the-art platform with the power and speed of automated intelligence. 
Visit scopenow.com for more details. Use code PIP20 to receive additional benefits. Hey, check out the PI Institute of Education at piinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. Check out the site today and brush up on your skills. Welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. Uh, today we have Adam Visnick from Gravitas Investigations based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Adam, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing good. Still hanging in there. Great, great. Before we jumped out, we were uh, just talking briefly about today's topic, how to testify or how to give a deposition or testify in court. You had written a, a blog article about it, and I thought it was a it was a cool article. And you and I had actually met a long time ago at Osmosis uh, a couple of years ago. That's um, right, uh, Cynthia Hetherington's uh, training in Vegas, right? Uh, the Renaissance Hotel. Right. That was that was a good time. Um, so yeah, we re- a long time ago, right? So we reconnected on LinkedIn, and uh, I read the article, and I was like, "Wow, this is cool. Let's uh, let's talk about it." Because I know the first time I had to testify, I was very nervous, right? Sure. It's very, very intimidating. So what was it like for you? What type of case um, were you called on it? And was it a deposition or was it an actual uh, call to be uh, a witness in a trial? The first time was actually a witness in a grand jury trial in Kentucky. And that definitely was intimidating and racked my brain and I was sweating bullets there. Um, but the, the big thing is from that experience, I and we're going back to the attorney thing again here, circling back is that they prepared myself and the other investigator involved really, really well. It was a big legal team, kind of a big attorney firm, uh, much like you would have in in New York. And they just prepared us rigorously. So when it came to court, even though we were still nervous and we're sitting there in front of the, you know, the, the grand jury, we were able to do pretty well. And it actually didn't last that long because they had prepared us so well to answer the questions right. effectively. Right. Um, and then how was it with you? Yeah. You know, it, it, I, you, you brought up a good point there, right? Um, being prepared properly. And I think that that is a, goes a really, really long way. And what I found is there are no stupid questions, right? There are no stupid questions for you to ask the attorney that, that you're representing, right? If, if there's something that you want to cover, don't be afraid to ask about it. Because, you know, what what you assume they may want to hear, maybe that's that's not it. You know, and just kind of refreshing yourself and, and um, going over the fact pattern. Obviously, you got to read and prepare and, and um, you know, you got to wear a suit. <laughs> you know, you got to show up and be professional. Sure. Uh, it goes a really long way. I've seen guys uh, testify you know, showing up in, in like a, a golf shirt and I'm just, wow. Like, why would you, yeah. why would you do that? <laughs> you know, it only yeah. makes most, no sense. Kills your credibility. Yeah. Um, so and we actually asked that quote unquote stupid question. What, what should we wear to the, to the legal team? And right. they're like, they actually, this is a, probably a matter of opinion, but they're actually say, they actually said, do not wear a suit instead wear business casual, you know, a button down shirt, khaki pants, dress shoes, you know, groom yourself. Let's say you're obviously a man or if you're a woman, you can wear similar attire. But they said, don't wear the full suit. I guess that's their own way of doing things. But yeah, that's standard. At least look business professional for sure. You definitely don't want to come in there and flip flops and khaki shorts. Exactly. And I think one of the other things to remember is, uh, you know, when, when you're addressing the judge, right? 
yes, your honor, no, your honor, you know, always follow up with your honor, right? You want to show as much respect as you possibly can to the courtroom. I think it's really, really important. I wanted to share the story that eventually got this, this, this uh, article written, how it kind of came about and manifested itself uh, had to do naturally with the deposition. You know, did I go ahead and share that? Story? Yeah, sure. Please go ahead. The article had kind of formed after several years of having done surveillance. This is for a previous company I'd worked for and our evidence was continuously being used in court situations. So another investigator and I had worked with some great legal teams who had really prepared us well for court, kind of like I was mentioning earlier, and especially had prepared us in depositions. And for those who have not been in deposition or ever deposed, just for a basic uh, definition, it's the sworn out-of-court testimony that takes place during the discovery period in the case or the fact-finding point in the case. Right. Uh, in a deposition, opposing counsel, and this is on the, the blog article, will ask you questions about your evidence and your role in the case and then record or transcribe your answers. And this can be done, uh, you know, nowadays even and has been done uh, over the Internet. So you might be in one statement, opposing counsel might be interviewing you uh, telephonically or via Zoom or Skype call yep. in a different state. So that's something to take it. Taking the minor. Welcome to 2020. There you go. There we go. Technology. Yeah. (laughs) So these things can take hours and they can be really stressful, especially if you're not ready. You can be in depositions for several hours. And it wasn't necessarily a bad attorney that we had an experience with. It was a good attorney. It was just that there was a smaller outfit and the person that was involved didn't have the infrastructure or the time to do all the prep work for us on our end. So we kind of had to get prepared or on our own. Right. And when we were called to be deposed, the other PI and I that had worked this case, which had actually originated on the East Coast, it was a, it's a medical malpractice case, uh, weren't necessarily repaired. The deal was there was this local TV personality that was claiming that she had undergone surgery, but as a result of the surgery, she couldn't do anything. She was basically disabled. Right. And she claimed this in court, and we all seen this kind of type of oh, case before. I, I know the exact case you're talking about, and I'm not. We're not going to go down that NTA, but I, I know the case <laughs> you you're talking might, about. Yeah. You, you might exactly. <laughs> and anyway, this lady claimed she could do all these things, like bend over, couldn't walk, yeah. even claiming she couldn't have sexual intercourse. And, and it would have been interesting to see how we would have been able to prove that, or how that would have came out in court. But. Right. Uh, with the, just the basic surveillance, anybody in, in the right mind could see, on top of the fact that she had a lot of social media posts, you could see that she was definitely working the system. Yeah. And on our end, we thought this has to be an open and shut case. There's, there's, you know, we know there's no such thing as a smoking gun for, for crying out loud. This thing was great. Right. So when the time, the time came to be deposed, we didn't lose the case because of our testimony, but the individual got more money than we we thought she should have. It was legitimate. We thought blatant abuse of her malpractice claim in our minds. Right. Uh, if you saw the things we'd saw on tape, you'd be shocked. But needless to say, that's kind of how this article came about. So I did a ton of research on top of my own uh, experience, talked to a lot of attorneys. Uh, there's one mentioned in here too as on the, in the article, but uh, we just started writing. And that's, this is what came about. 10 bullet points, uh, really good points that any investigator could use. I didn't see at the time, I didn't see a lot of investigator minded pieces out there. You're going to see a lot of deposition 
videos. Like if you just Google or YouTube it, it right. I mean, you see a ton of deposition videos that can prepare you. But it's all kind of if you are the um, the, the plaintiff or the defendant, it's not really if you're the investigator. Right, not so a third party. This, kind of, this thing kind of came about. Right. Yeah. What I like to tell people with um, with depositions and preparing for depositions, I tell them, you know, it's what the attorneys use for them to prepare for trial. They want to know what you're going to say before you say it. So it, it gives them a chance to prepare for trial, right? And to go back and reflect when you say something that uh, maybe you didn't say in your deposition, they'll bring that up and say, oh, but, you know, on page 72, can you please read that for me, right? And then go back and go forth. So usually there's the deposition before the trial. And they may call you up as a witness as well when the trial takes place. So just, you know, understanding um, the functionality of what you're, uh, what you're there for. And for me with depositions are super annoying for me because I don't know what your experience is, but you know, having, uh, you know, I'm usually going for the plaintiff, right? So the defense being questioned by them, I mean, they'll ask the same question in different ways, like 10 times. And it's just like, you know, asked and answered and you're like, come on, look over my, my attorney. I'm like, Hey man, like, yeah, that's the phrase right can, there. Can you asked jump in answered. please? <laughs> yes. 100%. And there was a point in that deposition that specifically talked about that. So there was a time period and this is going to be one of the bullet points is about leaving your documents at home. Like don't bring your reports, right. don't bring your timesheets even, and don't bring your DVDs or the footage. I actually did that at the request of the attorney that was on our, on our side. She's like, bring the extra DVDs. And I brought copies of the original footage. Well, needless to say, the opposing counsel saw the video, saw the actual physical DVDs in my hand and thought they were extra footage, like that had not been yep. presented. Yep. So as soon as he saw that, he jumped all over it and asked the same question, just like you said, about a hundred different ways. And that, caught me in like a 30 minute cycle of this guy asking, so what's on this? Where did those come from? What is in that? And I had to explain them. It's just copies of the VDPD that you already have. But of course, you know, you're not, he's going to ask it a million different ways and then right. stick, stick it in there for as long as you can. Right. What software did you use to manipulate it? Right. You know, that kind of, those kind of questions, sure. right? How did you change the footage? You know, exactly. <laughs> I'd like to, the opportunity to review this original and, and the one you provided to <laughs> see if there's any differences, like you're just opening a can of worms. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. And the can of worms thing. So I think this hits on one of the big points is, don't volunteer information. Yes. Uh, if they ask a straightforward question, there's no need to elaborate it on it. Right. Uh, there's it just, if it requires a close, if it's a close end question, a simple yes or no, will do. If it's an open end question, you know, don't be, you know, don't volunteer. Just be succinct and candid as best as you can be. Uh, there's no reason to give your third party opinion or secondhand opinion on anything to stick to the facts. Oh, opinions are, will, will sink your ship, right? You always talk on facts. Don't talk on opinions because that can open up another Pandora's box for you as well. Uh, you know, what makes you an authority to talk about this? And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're answering tons of questions about, you know, how, how you're an authority. It's, uh, it can be problematic. Um, you know, I think one of the other, uh, good uh, tips or, or things you could do. I'm recalling an instance that I had many years ago where I was called to testify in federal court. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go to federal court. It is crazy intimidating. I mean, just really like a, a federal court judge does not play around. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's King George, like big time. Right. Um, so Hamilton reference there. There you go. Right. You'll be back. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm in federal court and the attorney that I was hired by like never exchanged my information, right? Which is a big no-no. Like you're, you're supposed to like disclose who you're bringing up. And the judge like lost it. He got crazy and he looks at me. He goes, you. And I'm like, yes, your honor. He goes, you're not testifying today. I said, okay, your honor. And he looks over at my client and he goes, you. And he's like, yes, your honor. He goes, you're paying him his full rate for being here today. I'm like, thank you, your honor. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so just making sure that, you know, reminding your, um, your attorney client, like, Hey, is everything like set up the way it's supposed to be? And are we good to go? Are there any, you know, um, things that I need to do or, or, you know, it has everything been set up, you know, that the day's going to go smoothly, just, you know, a, a gentle reminder to make sure that they have everything done that they're supposed to have done too is, uh, something that, you know, you don't want any surprises. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great point. You might even, and this is something you might be able to do is provide, your resume to your legal team, assuming they don't know your full resume already prior, prior, well before the deposition, like email it to them or get it in their hands. That way they're like, okay, maybe this guy really is a pro. Um, This private investigator person knows what they're doing. They got a level of expertise here. Uh, They're ready to go. So that way you kind of are on the level playing field. Yeah. And just also um, understanding that your adversary, you know, the, the attorney who's, who's, um, you know, asking you questions for the other side, they're going to do their due diligence on you also. So they're going to do their research. They're going to go to your website and they're going to verbatim, like spit it back out at you. I've had that, that instance, right? I, I, there was a, I was being deposed regarding some photos I had taken on a, on a case at a YMCA gym. Right. And the guy starts asking me questions about my website and independent medical examinations. And he's like talking about all this other nonsense. And I'm looking at the guy going, you get paid by the hour, don't you? <laughs> like, this is so like, it's nonsensical what you're doing. Right. And, uh, it got to the point where it's just, it was so obnoxious. And I, I like politely asked the guy, I was like, I, you've reviewed my website, obviously. Right. And the guy's like, yes. I said, I just updated it recently. How does it look? You know, did you, did you find your way around it? <laughs> Should I tell my developer yeah. to do anything differently? <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, you made your points. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, how is the search engine optimization on my website? <laughs> right. Is there anything else I can do? Right. Did you did you find your way around easy? Um, but you know, you gotta be careful with that stuff too. I know I'm joking around. Like you, you always want to show respect to whoever's questioning you. And like a, a jury can see it, right? If you're very combative and sarcastic and you come off as this snarky guy, like you're not doing anybody any favors, especially with the stigma that private investigators have to begin with, right? Um, you know, if you look at Hollywood and the way we're portrayed, you know, it, it sometimes is not, it's not flattering. Right. And if you come in, you know, with that attitude, that cavalier attitude, it could backfire. You, you don't want to do that. So you really, you got to be careful. I mean, me, it's like, I got the New York, you know, sarcasm. I got to sometimes reel it in a little bit and remind myself to chill out a bit because you don't want to sabotage sure. anything. And at the end of the day, you want a positive outcome for whoever hired you to be there. And you have a responsibility to make sure that you do what you need to do, right? Yes, 100%. I I agree there too. And this is one of the points is the court reporters can't write in sarcastic font. So (laughs) all jokes aside, us us cracking jokes, it's probably not going to translate well on the transcript. And especially, you know, court's not the setting for, for jokes anyway. And there's a good, if you wanted to, direct your um, listeners to a, a great deposition that I had to, had to, I, I've seen it before. 
It's the Justin Bieber 2014 deposition I saw on YouTube. Yeah, I saw, saw bits of that. There's yeah. bits, and, bits and pieces of it. Uh, but we've probably all seen it. He's there. He's classic Hollywood, you know, being sarcastic, joking, being short, expli- you know, explicitly short with everything and getting angry and upset at opposing counsel. And it's almost like they're going into this verbal sparring match. Right. Just didn't look good on the guy. And it's definitely not going to look good for any private investigator going into that setting. So I would, I would hold off on any jokes and, and try to be, you know, serious as, to the best of your ability. Yeah, I'm sure there's an open uh, an open mic at Banana somewhere on on Mondays. You can, you can go check it out yeah. <laughs> and try your act somewhere setting. else. <laughs> it's a better setting for for that. Yeah, for sure. The, the Chuckle Hut is hiring, right? Yeah, it can be very very intimidating uh, to to being asked to do it. And to me, like I I always have this like freak out moment that you know, hey, this is like somebody's life here, right? This is a this is a big deal for them. You know, you can see they're going to be a big swing one way or the other. They're going to get the relief they they need or, or they're not, or, you know, if you're on the other side, you're going to help the, the carrier prove their point that, you know, the, the you know, in, injury wasn't what it said it was, or the facts weren't what they say they were, or if it's a criminal case, you know, Hey, this is life or death. Like someone could be spending the rest of their life behind bars. Um, so, you know, it, it's a big responsibility that you should take it very, very seriously. The work will stand for itself. And I think the other tip my, I would say to give is, um, you know, the, the truth is the same, the same hundred percent of the time. It's never going to change. So if you stick to to your facts and your findings, no matter how many times you're asked the same question over and over again, the answer is always going to be the same. You know, so don't try and embellish. Don't try and, you know, make something that they're not. You just, you report the facts and, and it is what it is. And, uh, you know, you try and leave your conjecture out of it. And, uh, you know, you let, let the attorney do their job, right? You want to set them up for a win, not create more problems for them, right? That's uh, That's the other thing. I remember there was a, a law firm actually took over a case or took over a, um, a client. I got a new client and a new law firm because the investigator they were using beforehand did not disclose to the attorney that had hired him that he had a criminal record in the past, um, which in New York state, they ask you that question when you apply for a license. It doesn't mean you're disqualified, right? You just have to give an explanation. Sure. So this guy, and I don't know what the offense was, but he he told the attorney, no, I've never been convicted of anything, right? So he gets up and he goes to testify. And of course, you know, the other side did their homework and they were able to find something. They asked a question and the guy perjured himself on the stand and they pull, <laughs> pulled out the rap sheet or the, the, the arrest record and it was a wrap. There, there was no credibility. And I think that's another thing to remember, yeah. right? Our credibility is everything. You know, the second we lose 100%. lose that credibility, you're done. So it's just something to remember. Don't embellish. Truth is always going to be the same 100% of the time. It's definitely a yes or no, state the facts. And what's your take on, I don't know, or I don't recall. Is there a specific instance where you had to say that multiple times? Or oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the fail safe for us, right? Rather than perjure myself, you know, I'd rather say, I don't recall. I would need to review that. And, you know, if it's a deposition, they'll say, okay, you know, let's, Let's leave a note for you to fill this in later and go back and review it. I've had that happen a few times, right? You know, how many photos did you specifically take? You know, uh, photo 12, what was that photo of? I, I don't know. I have to review it. I don't have it in front of me. You know, it's like one of those one of those deals. And to me, that's just the other side trying to trip you up and, you know, have be nonsense about it. But what, what's your take on it? The advice that was given to me was if – as you just said, if you if you don't know the answer explicitly, just say I don't know, I don't recall. Uh, don't try to guess. Right. Don't try to 
make up an answer. If it's not within your memory, it's not your job to know exactly what happened or, you know, people have memory. So, uh, thing I don't know is good. And I, I remember there was, you probably saw this deposition on either Netflix or YouTube, the, um, the Theranos fraud, the SEC fraud on Theranos and its founder, Elizabeth Holmes. She said the words, I don't know, like 600 plus times in her <laughs> right. deposition in, wow. in 2017. And I don't know if I don't, I don't know if I don't know was used effectively there. But right. That's uh, that's a, that's a pretty big number. Uh, to not know about your business here the CEO. I think that's kind of the point of that headline. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, you got to be careful there too. Um, and, it, and at that point you're just being combative, right? I'm sure you probably do know a little something, but you've been advised to say, I don't know, you know, so it's, uh, you, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be real careful with that. Have you had any, you mentioned, um, I don't know, you're trying to maybe bully you a little bit or catch you in a lie at some point. Did you, have you explicitly seen or heard or did any attorneys use any like tactics of any sort on you to try to draw something out or get you to say something that wasn't correct or wasn't factual? Yeah. I've had a couple of situations, right? And not so much that wasn't factual, but just them trying to uh, not bend the truth, but just bend the perception of what the type of work that I was doing. Like I had the, uh, so I've been hired to go and do an investigation for a slip and fall case at a school, right? It was an after school activity. Somebody had tripped over a cart that was left out. Right. And uh, so I, I went, I took pictures of, of the area there and then I tried to interview a custodian or something like that. And uh, obviously the custodian said, I, I can't talk to you. I got to, you know, I work for the, the school. I'm like, okay, done. Right. So they brought me up to testify with regards to the photos. And then, you know, he started asking me questions about, did I talk to anybody when I was there? So of course I said, yes, you know, like I spoke, spoke to that. And he said, well, why would you do that? You know, a notice of, you know, a notice of claim been filed at a potential defendants. Like you shouldn't be talking to the other side. You have no, like, no right to do that. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm looking at my client going, are you going to object to any of this stuff? <laughs> Please. Right. <laughs> and he didn't, he just uh, left it out there. And, and to me, you know, yeah, it kind of made me look bad, but in all actuality, the lawsuit was not commenced. And the, at the point that I was out there, the notice of claim wasn't even filed. So that attorney was incorrect, but I'm not getting into a pissing match with him. You know, he can say whatever he wants to say, you know, and then I had another instance where, you know, I do a lot of work for like plaintiff. I'm, I'm almost exclusively plaintiff only. And um, they always try and make me look bad on that. Like, oh, you're a plaintiff boy. Like, you'll say whatever, you, you know, to make your client happy. Um, and, and the guy asked me, he says, uh, how much did you do in sales the year before? And to me, like, that's kind of a ridiculous question, right? So I look at my client, I'm waiting for him to... You know, say I object and he doesn't, right? So I, I, I just replied to the guy. I said, are you talking about me like personally or are you talking about sales for my business? And as soon as I said the word sales, he jumped on it. And he was like, sales because you're a salesman and you'll say whatever you want to say to make your client happy or to prove his point. You're nothing but a salesman. And I looked at him and I said, well, I call it sales because the New York State Department of Tax and Finance requires me to collect sales tax on it. Therefore, technically what I'm doing is sales. That's a good answer. <laughs> and he looks at me and he, like goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes, fair enough. And I look over at like four of the jurors and they literally had their hands over their mouths and they were starting to laugh. <laughs> right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to chill out a little bit, but it was like, you know, and that's the thing, right? So I, I, 
there was some, there were, obviously there was truth in what I was saying. I was trying to be as polite as possible and not being super combative and sarcastic <laughs> about it, but I was holding my own as well because they will try and bully you if you let them, right? So there's a, a fine line of balancing and, um, and, and not combating. So I, you know, I did want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up because we're, we're getting close to the end here. Um, but let's talk about like what happens when a subpoena shows up at your office. What do you do when you get a subpoena from the other side asking you to appear at court or demanding you appear in court? Like, what is the first thing that you do? Because some folks have never had that happen before and are probably like, what do I do when this happens? Yeah, so I think the first thing that we did was uh, coordinate with the legal team and get on the same page. Right. Uh, so our first, you know, I think our first meeting was once we got the subpoena, was immediately to meet with the legal counsel and game plan with them. Right. So uh, that, that that's exactly the right answer. So what you do is you call the person who hired you on the case and say, hey, I've been subpoenaed for this, right? And then, you know, the next thing you say is, you know, my fee to appear in court is this, so-and-so, right? Sure. I'm not taking sure. the $18 check or the $36 check or whatever that they're providing. Like, you're going to need to pay me for this just so they understand <laughs> that, you know, that you're not showing up you know, um, uh, you know, for, for the, the minimum amount here, you're a professional, you're an expert witness that you need to be compensated for that. So don't, don't ever be ashamed or embarrassed to talk to your client about that. They expect it. And you know, they'll try and get over on you. You Yeah. If they don't have to pay you, they'll, or pay you less, you know, have a, have a, a a half day rate and a full rate. And if you're in and out of there in 15 minutes, that's a half day rate. Don't be ashamed to collect your money. Yeah, that's a good point. This should be like in your client retainer agreement or right. uh, your your contract that you sign with your legal team there. You definitely want to make sure you get your money's worth in this because, again, it's your time that you could be using for any cases that you specifically could be out in the field for. Uh, you know, you definitely have to charge for this and bill for this. They're billing for it. They're oh, going to bill their clients yeah. a ton of money for it. So you yeah. you should you know follow suit and uh, they, they should they would certainly expect it. Yeah, and the other thing is, yeah, you know, be, be fair about it too, right? Don't be like, oh, well, this is a $4 million case. You know, I'm going to throw in a $25,000 oh, yeah. bill for, you know, a Dave test. Like, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I would. I tend to stick to just my normal hourly rate as it is, you know, for however many hours it's, that we're out there uh, testifying or being deposed. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Never be afraid to uh, to charge your rate. And we're professionals, you know, we, we are expert witnesses. You were hired to do, uh, um, you know, to act as an expert, then you got to be paid as an expert. And, you know, the other thing too is, you know, if, if the case busts, if it settles like that day of, or the day before or whatever, and you've blocked off that time, get paid. Don't, don't give them any breaks. You know, you have set aside that time. Um, there, there is an expectation that you're going to collect. Um, you know, I had that happen once too. Like, uh, I showed up uh, in downtown Manhattan for a case and literally like they were about to bring me on to testify and I'd been there for like an hour. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, we just settled the case. I was like, okay, great. Awesome. You know, I'll I'll send you my invoice. And he's like, yeah, about that. Do you think maybe you could um, like give us a break or something like that? And this was the trial attorney that was talking to me. It wasn't the attorney who actually had the case because he had brought in Mm -hmm. trial counsel. And I was like, I'm going to go talk to the guy that actually hired me <laughs> and I called him yeah. up and said, Hey, this trial attorney is trying to you know, make me eat my rate for the day. He goes, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay you. So, uh, yeah. that guy got a, he, he got a, a talking to <laughs> from my client. Yeah. Uh, cause so there's a good chance you're going to be sitting in that courtroom lobby for several hours before you even 
get on the stand. So, well, that's the thing. You know, you're, set, you're, you're setting the time aside. Uh, you're making yourself available, and uh, those are the rules. I mean, uh, listen, there's some doctors in New York uh, that get you know fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to go testify in court for the day. They're not taking a break. You know, they're charging full rate. Yeah. They're doing whatever, and uh, there should be an expectation that. You know, my testimony is just as valuable as that doctor's, and I should be compensated for whatever my agreed upon rate is, and and just kind of understanding. Yeah, that that would be just the uh, the ins and outs, the basics. So uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that the blog article. Sure. I've also got that article uh, put into the investigators toolbox, which is uh, my little side project. That uh, by the time this show is aired show airs it should be uh, either out or uh, about to be released um so you can find that uh, that article there along with some other good stuff i actually had i think it might have taken one or two other articles that, that you have from your blog page so adam this was really great why don't you tell folks how they can get a hold of you if they have any uh, questions or if they need anything done in ohio yeah you can um Reach me at via email if you'd like, adam at gravitasinv.com. My website's also gravitasinv.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook even. Uh, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Great, great, man. I really appreciate it. And hey, listen, you should uh, consider uh, doing some podcasting. You ask some good questions. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get together again and get a different topic <laughs> on it. It was there, a lot of fun. There you go, right? The shoe was on the other foot today, so... There you go. Uh, this is great, man. I really appreciate you taking the time um, and, and uh, coming out and, and being a part of the program. You know, this is the spirit of what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to to get these experiences that other investigators have out and in discussion, right? And um, you know, for those who are listening that that have never been deposed, it's only a matter of time. It's going to happen, right? You're going to get that subpoena yeah. one day and just you know be ready to to. Uh, to do it. So, Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and supporting the show. Uh, if you guys like what you hear, go to Apple podcast and please rate the show and, um, share it with your friends. Um, if you feel like, uh, you want to leave a review, it'll be good. Unless you got bad things to say about Adam. Don't do that. He's a, he's a nice guy. <laughs> Spent a lot of good time here today. Um, talking about uh, this stuff. So um, all, all joking aside, I appreciate everybody for, for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next week on the next show. Thanks. Well, this was a great conversation. Now remember folks, always get paid when you show up to court. We want to thank Adam for jumping on and even asking Matt a few questions. We also want to thank Crosstracks, Scope Now, and the PI Institute for Education for sponsoring this show. Please, folks, check out their sites and consider using their services. Make sure you use code PIP20 for additional savings. Do you have a question or comment about the show? Email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible, so chime in. Next week, we welcome Danielle Hall from Watchpoint to talk about social media monitoring tools. Have a great week, stay safe, and thanks for tuning in to PI Perspectives.